Hello and welcome to your GG Replay for Monday, December 13th, 2021. GG Replay is of course your Monday, Wednesday, Friday show where we break down the latest in gaming news hosted by us. The Goodnight Groofs, a place for games and a place for goofs. We're still workshopping the slogan, but uh, my name is Paul and I am joined here as always by Matt. How are you doing on this fantastic Monday today? I wouldn't call it a fantastic Monday. It's okay, mostly because it's pretty much over now. <laughs> and I get to talk about video games now. So that's, you know, my Monday's okay now. I will say that much. Uh, but you know what? Overall, I'm doing okay, Paul. What about you? How are you doing on this fun Monday yourself? I'm doing pretty well. I just went up for a nice uh, freezing cold walk out there trying to get my steps in for the day, get my exercise. Actually, I had a good time because uh, we had to record a little bit later today. So I was able to perfectly slip in a nice long walk for about an hour. So that was nice. And uh, yeah, that's about it. Nothing crazy happened today. Uh, just mostly checking out gaming news. I played a bit more uh, of the new Fortnite season and I re-downloaded Genshin Impact. So I might oh, give that wow. a go as well. So maybe that'll be something you'll hear about on this week's Game Groups or at least next, next week's. I won't be on this one. On mobile? Uh, no, on PC. Okay. I tried playing on mobile and I liked it, but I, I think like Josh had mentioned before in the past too, uh, that I think the game is plays well on PC does, and mobile is yeah. better for like a couple little cleanup things you have to do when you already have an established character and established right. that kind of stuff. So once I've I've played more, maybe that'll be something I do. But as it stands, I want to try to get into it on PC. I've had Wild Rift downloaded for like four days now. And I did like the tutorial game, which literally took like five minutes, if that. Yep. And I haven't jumped back in mostly because so I have an iPhone eight and iOS 15 is like destroying my battery now. So I really just need yeah. to upgrade my phone. But to play some wild rift i'm pumped i'm a li i feel like i'm i'm hesitant because i'm a little bit like scared of playing a moba i don't know it's been a while yeah. Paul. it's been a while wild rift is a great moba to get into and if you can get around playing it on p on um on a phone it's it's a lot of fun i mean obviously you can only play wild rift on a phone but you know what i mean if you can for get now. into that uh, yeah for now i'm hoping that will change and we can get that on pc at some point because i think it's a streamlined version of league that should just exist in lots of different forms but that being said it's a lot of fun on mobile so check that out i wish we were sponsored right now but we're not it's coming to console at some point but they haven't talked about pc yet all right let's move on and get into the show a little bit here because we have a buttload of stuff to talk about today first off just a reminder that if you come across any necessary corrections in today's episode feel free to send them to ggreplayshow at gmail.com so we can address them in the next episode now, Matt, the reviews are in. We have a couple games to talk about today uh, and a little surprise thing uh, in the reviews segment. First off, Shovel Knight Pocket Dungeon. Uh, this is a puzzle roguelite kind of game. Got an 87 on Open Critic, and it is out right now as of today, actually. 87, great score. Uh, I, I looked at some reviews for it. I will say it looks like it is a good game for puzzle game fans or vintage game fans, or fans of the Shovel Knight IP in general. I, however, am none of those things. <laughs> so for me, this is a bit of a miss. Yeah, it's interesting. This is just same with me. I mean, this is not the kind of game I would play at all. There is obviously an audience for these. It sort of reminds me of like the old Pokemon Mystery Dungeon, where they just, they just take an IP and they turn it into a puzzle game like this, of this sort of type. And I just can't get into that kind of stuff. It, it, even if they took my favorite IPs and made them into these kind of games, I, 
that wouldn't make me play them. You know what I mean? Yeah, the the vintage music was a lot of fun and like the vintage style. But as we've talked about before, that kind of nostalgia, like that SNES looking nostalgia wasn't this isn't nostalgic to me. I'm I'm more into like, um, you know, when we start making and we are starting to see that PS1 games and 64 style games, stuff that looks like that being made now is like retro games, like modern retro. Right. That might be something I get more into. Um, but as it stands, that that kind of pixely 32 bit stuff just doesn't or 16 bit stuff doesn't really do it for me. All right. And the next game on the list here, Wolf Stride. Um, he wrote here, I, I guess it's kind of a Western JRPG. Yeah. Got a 78 on Open Critic. It's out now. Uh, it's actually, it came out uh, earlier. I think it was December 8th or something like that. But uh, we were waiting for enough reviews for it. It looks really polished is what I'll say about it. Like the visual style is very, like it's it's trying to go for something very particular that I may not be a huge fan of, but it looks very clean at what it's doing. Yeah, I call this a Western JRPG because it sort of plays like a JRPG and it wants to be like an anime almost, but it looks like a Western type of game at the same time. So, and I actually don't know if it was developed in the West or, or in the East. I'm really not sure. Um, I didn't look into it too much just because I don't think I'll be playing this game. It looks cool for what it is. And I feel like there are some people who might actually like really love this game. It just seems like that kind of thing, but I don't know. I'm, not super into it. The the black and white look, that's also, you know, a stylistic choice that yeah, I'm sure it works for the game and and it's and it's cool for the game, but I don't know if I'm super interested in that. I I don't know. It looks cool. I don't know if I'd play it. We've seen a lot of black and white games recently. We saw we that uh, White Shadows, I think on the last episode, and there's yeah. been some other ones too. It's kind of interesting the to photograph see photograph one. Yeah, it's kind of interesting to see that coming back. That seems to be, I mean, coming back as if games back in my day, games were black and white. I mean, not really, I guess, but like monochrome uh, and see like that retro style that never really got to exist in games. Your TVs have always been colors since video games existed. Yeah, really. Uh, it's kind of Pong neat to see them. was black and white, though. I think. Yeah, but I, I yeah, I guess Pong and was. I'm thinking there were some of those that were like green and black. You know what yeah. I mean? Or like or yeah. like stuff like that, too. Um, I won't claim to know the details of uh, vintage game consoles though uh speaking of vintage game consoles uh this is not a, a, a traditional review per se but matt and i have been following the analog pocket which is the uh, very high-end handheld console for playing old game boy games game gear games all that kind of stuff and reviews video reviews dropped today uh it's not particularly scored uh per se but it looks it looks great and it seems like it held up really well to review it got it has 615 PPI LTPS LCD display. I mean, this stuff we knew before, but it looks so crisp. If you, I mean, did you have you seen any of this video stuff, Matt? It looks so awesome seeing it actually played. No, I haven't, and I and I kind of need you to explain to me how good some of these technological specs are here. Yeah, so I mean, when you look like your iPhone or something, like I mean, if you look at like when Retina displays first came around on the iPhone, the big thing that like Steve Jobs was talking about. That was 326 PPI, pixels wow, per inch. Wow, okay. Uh, and we're also when we look at like a lot of modern Android phones or even modern iPhones, we're looking at somewhere between four and 500 wow. PPI. So this is a very pixel-dense display. LTPS is also a really high-end uh, standard right now for LCD displays. Um, it allows it to like, I, I believe it allows for variable refresh rate technology. I, I don't think that's being used here, but this is like a very modern high end LCD display. And that's where most of the money here is going into Okay, this product. So if you see, it's so weird. It's one of those ones where you like, you see it on a video 
Uh, and it looks like if you're watching it in 4K and your monitor, it really, really looks like they're holding it and the display is just kind of, it looks like you're watching someone play Pokemon in person. You know what I mean? Like, oh, okay. it's cool. It just looks so crisp and wow. bright. So that's, that's cool. Uh, also, battery life is great. It should be. The thing is like, I don't know, the thickest, the thickest handheld console I've ever seen. Uh, it is about up to eight hours or so of battery life. Uh, obviously, that varies, but that's pretty great uh, before you have to do a recharge. And it is a thick boy, but pretty worth it. Uh, the, the, one of the few things I saw that was kind of a, a bummer is that the cartridges, because it fits so many different sizes and styles of cartridge, um, it only fits Game Boy and Game Boy Advance and stuff. Naturally, it has adapters that fit like Game Gear and Neo Geo and that kind of stuff, which is cool. But those fit differently. So they can't have those rails that kind of fit on um, like a Game Boy. So if you if you're not careful, you can kind of tilt your cartridge like by touching oh. the back and it kind of like it'll like freeze your game out. <laughs> so that's not you got to be kind of careful about like how you hold it. Like you don't want to just be tossing it around because the cartridge might pop yeah. out a little bit. Um, so that's one thing. Uh, but yeah, otherwise, th- there's the thing I never even heard of is they have this dock that is so, so cool. I, I, did you see this, Matt, when you were looking it up before? No. I, I haven't seen the dock, but I do know that it can connect to your like TV, but I, I didn't know about the dock. Yeah, so they have an optional dock. You have to purchase it extra, and it's not cheap, just like everything with the analog pocket. It is a, a proper you know boutique device. Luxury item. Yeah, exactly. But this dock is so cool. It's just you know a little black square. It's got a little round cylinder on the back. Very, very much in the style of this like all blacked, matte blacked out handheld console. And you just plop it in there. It just docks so easily on the bottom with the charging the USB-C port. And it has an HDMI out, goes to your TV, and it also has Bluetooth, not on the console, but built into the dock. So then you can Bluetooth up to four uh, controllers, wireless controllers, and then play the games on the TV with your friends, GBA, all all through the dock, which is pretty cool. And it's just a tiny little dock, you know, it's palm of your hand. And it's pretty friggin' cool. (laughs) This is a cool, it's so cool to see. Uh, you know, these these like kind of luxury gaming devices show up that don't necessarily reinvent the wheel, but they're able to do something with the game. These amazing games, it's like talking about game preservation, right? It's like these amazing mm-hmm. games that existed. And sure, you can go back and play them the way they were you know, meant to be played, quote unquote. But I, I would say a lot of people who probably designed these games meant for them, imagined them in a future where they could be played better than before. And it's so cool to have that. This company is doing some really cool things. They, this is their fourth or fifth console this is their first Mm -hmm. major handheld one i think i don't think they've done handheld stuff before but i I was talking about earlier this week with you that i don't even really as i've shown here i had paul explain a lot of i don't even really know what's going on here i just know that it's a machine a modern machine that allows you to play game boy and game boy advanced games and to me that's something that i want and i have like a treasure trove of game boy and game boy advanced games still and I love those games and I want to be able to play them, but I don't necessarily like my, I don't, I don't, I honestly don't even know if I still have an old device that can actually play them. And if I do, I don't know if I have a working one. So something like this, just to have that modern machine that makes them look better. This is something that I really do want to get. And I feel like the price point is pretty fair. I, I, what, what was it? 250 or 300 or something. It's yeah, it's right around there. Yeah, so that's really not bad at all. I mean, like, that's the price of a 3DS. I don't know if it is still is, but it was at least a couple of years yeah. ago when I got one. And to be able to play all these games and then get the adapters for the for the other consoles and with the dock, I mean, that, it's a super cool product. And it's something that I 
really do want if i decide to, to drop the cash for it i i don't know we'll have to wait and see but <laughs> this would be a really cool product to have yeah it's actually only 220 usd which wow. is pretty cool okay, now the pre-orders is... <laughs> are like crazy out of stock but that's i think really good honestly that's like a super low fair. pretty fair the dock's about 100 bucks so if you want to have friends over and you have enough games like that you want to play or you want to play on your couch you know 100 bucks maybe that makes sense to get that and so it's cool to see that. I will say, you, last thing I'll say on this, just because it's fun to talk about it, but I will say that uh, for someone like you, it makes perfect sense. And that's that's kind of what the reviewers were saying. You know, this is not made to for emulation. This is not made for like getting flash carts and, and kind of cheesing your way into playing these old games. They're very committed to vintage games as they were meant to be. And so even though there are, um, I'm not condoning this, but there are ways to like access illegal ROMs and stuff on them. Those are the things that are going to get patched out every firmware update. This is not like a way that this is not really a, a logical way for you to buy this. You should buy this if you have a bunch of old handheld games to play. Someone like me who just found their old Pokemon Sapphire cartridge and it's like the only one nice. they have. And I was like, gee, it'd be fun to play this again. This was my favorite one. I pulled up my old GameCube and it was in the, the little GameCube adapter with the GBA wow. adapter thing on the bottom. And I was like, oh, I love this. This is my favorite Pokemon. But I'm not going to like go out and buy Game Boy just to play this one right. game. Prob probably. <laughs> maybe. Right. So, yeah. But for someone like you that has all that old stuff, that's really, really cool. That's like those are like the only old games that I still have just because they're they were so small and so easy to just put into a box. I just have so many of them. And yeah, I would love to revisit that. Revisit all that stuff. Absolutely. All right. Let's get into the stories today. First off. Pretty exciting stuff. We can't talk, not talk about Halo every. Let's we should get like a little jingle to play just the, the daily Halo update. So the first thing here is a playlist update for Halo Infinite. Now we were talking about this, or well, not we were talking about this. I mean we were, but the developers were talking about this in the last couple of weeks uh, because a lot of people are concerned. So here we are. This is a quote from the message uh, from the the game developer here. I'm happy to report that a Slayer playlist is officially locked and loaded for the update next week. Four new playlists, Slayer, Fiesta, Free For All, and Tactical Slayer, aka SWAT, will be added via a services update on Tuesday, December 14th. That's tomorrow if you're listening to this tonight, but more likely you're listening to this on the day of. So incredible that that's happening. They also said, quote, we'll be releasing a basic Slayer offering to start and we'll look to bolster and expand with more variants in a future update. So it's really cool. We're, we're getting to where we should have been at the, the first point here, right, Matt? I mean, this is pretty exciting. I mean, I, I know... You and I really wanted to rock some Slayer. Uh, Josh and I really wanted to play some SWAT. I think there's this is like closer to what I remember the options of Halo being. It still doesn't make sense to me that this wasn't out to begin with, or at the very least on launch day on December 8th, but not even a week after launch, whatever. I'm glad it's here. It needs to be here. I'm a little concerned. It's a little concerning that it maybe wasn't going to happen without a big player push. So that's a little bit worrying, but what, whatever the case may be, it's here now and we all get to go have fun with it because these are some some great game modes and we if we don't want to play oddball, we don't want to play CTF, we don't have to worry about it anymore. Yeah, that's been my kind of general vibe here the whole time with this is I'm kind of I'm trying to I keep straddling the line of do I think that they just were really rushed and they're trying their best to make the best game possible and they, they had to get it out the door and they're going to add some stuff later. Uh, or how much of it is we were trying to see what we could get away with and how bare bones right. the game could be. And then once people were complaining enough, we're like, oh, I guess we better add a couple things in. And every time you complain, you get one more like treat or something. <laughs> um, I think I'm leaning more towards it's just the time constraint and they're just doing their best to get things out, out on time. 
But that being said, it is a little worrying. I agree that I, you, you have to wonder if this ever would have been brought up if, if no one brought it up. Now, part of me, and this is weird, and, and I shouldn't be rewarding them, them by saying this, but part of me liked being forced into game modes I don't normally play because I actually had a lot of fun with them. So it wasn't all bad, at least for me. I agree. Actually, I had a lot of fun. There's some that I wasn't crazy into, like strongholds. And that's what most people are upset with, like the power seeds and all that stuff. Right. Which actually, that was an interesting game mode for BTB, but it wasn't something I would have like. I'm, I'm still not sure if I'll go back to it. That's just for me personally. Um, but CTF and some of these other things, I, I've actually had a lot of fun playing oddball, especially when you have friends yeah. you're playing with and you can coordinate. Uh, it's a lot of fun. So, yeah, it, it's fun to be able to get into those. But also, I, pro- I probably would have played some, you know, objective matches at some point anyway. So, yeah. I don't know. Uh, Also, another thing they're doing here, this is another quote here from the, I guess, press release. Next week's update will also include adjustments to challenges, including removing some particularly frustrating mode-specific ones, reducing some requirements for others, making the weekly ultimate challenge less intensive, (laughs) getting there is tough enough, and adding brand new challenges specific to the new playlists. And this is good. This is kind of coming off the heels too. Uh, Maybe they noticed it, but people also mentioned this. If you're going to add new playlists, also, you should make it so I don't have to go into other different kinds right. of playlists just to do my challenges. So, hey, it's cool you're adding Slayer, but if you want me to do my challenges and I have to go play Oddball, well, then you're kind of defeating the purpose because I'm still going to have to go play. You're forcing me to play a certain game type I don't want to play. So I think they're kind of working that out and trying to figure out the right vibe for that. And again, all good news. All great news. Yeah, I can totally foresee this game evolving a ton over the next year, two years, three years until they really kind of get to a point where things are, I, w- I don't want to say like a maintenance mode, but where things are set and they can worry about making new, good new content for it instead of trying to work out the kinks and get, get things right to where players are content. That's going to take a little while, but I'm excited for, the, you know, eventually they'll get to that point and we'll see some some cool new stuff, but let's, let's get the game right. This is good yeah. news. This is the right direction. Should have already happened, but I'm happy at the very least it's happening now. On the plus, I'm almost thinking, and this is the last thing I'll say on this, but I'm almost thinking it's cool that they waited, like they're having this six month season or something super long first season because if they were just rushing out yes. content seasons yeah. with kind of cheap cosmetics and not, and then not addressing major issues, or even if they were addressing them, but like you're like, well, how much time are you gonna have to do that because you're too busy working on the the content? I kind of like that they almost kind of big. It feels like they knew this was gonna be an issue and that they've set aside time for it, and that's why this first season's gonna be so long because they're so busy working on making the game actually the game that it's supposed to be. Um, but I, again, I think it's more that Microsoft needed them to hit that release window for holiday 2021. They did it. They're gonna fix the game, and then we're gonna get a bunch of new seasons, maybe every couple, two, three months, not six months. And we're going to get stuff like new maps. And it's, I, I think that's what, you know, 2020 end of 2022, more into 2023. I think that's what infinite will become. And, you know, I'm willing to wait. It's a lot of fun. All right, moving on, talking about Microsoft again, Microsoft admits it's handling of Lionhead studios was a quote misstep. Uh, this aired as part of the new docu-series power on the story of Xbox, which all six parts are now up online. Uh, they said, quote, we acquired Linehead in 2006 and shut it down in 2016, said Sarah Bond, head of game creator experiences and ecosystem at Xbox. Quote, a couple of years later, we reflected back on that experience. What did we learn and how do we not repeat our same mistakes? Phil Spencer went on to say, quote, you acquire a studio for what they're great at now. And your job is to help them accelerate how they do what they do, not 
them accelerate what you do. So I, I think the vibe here is, you know, and they talk about this um, in, I, I think IGN has an article on it and they talk about it in the docu-series too, where, where they're basically, you know, hey, listen, they they acquired them, Fable was going well, then they tried to like marry Fable and Connect to push Connect forward and that didn't seem to work for what was going on with Lionhead. Uh, so that kind of disincentivized, de-incentivized them a little bit uh, to, to what they were doing. And I, and I think that had part of the effect. I mean, we won't know everything that went on back then, but I think it's just kind of interesting, I guess, because we had that Phil Spencer thing recently talking about, could we have acquired Bungie and like, could we have kept them on for Halo in the past? I think we could have. And now we're kind of seeing, you know, that the same kind of question being posed. Could we have fixed what we did at Lionhead? And are we going to use that to make sure we don't do stuff like that again? Very interesting stuff, especially when, you know, we see notably there is going to be a new fable and it's not Lionhead. It's Playground Studios, Playground Games. It's interesting that Xbox is sort of taking the blame for this. I guess they sort of had missteps with Lionhead. Lionhead didn't have much going on. And I don't know if that's their issue or if this was truly Xbox mishandling them and just not utilizing them. They had a co-op Fable game that was canceled because it just wasn't working. The two Fable games before that one did very poorly. And Black and White there was no game there was no black and white game after the Microsoft acquisition. They had Black and White 2 in 2005 and that series was totally dropped and that was probably one of their more successful after Fable was probably their biggest their biggest franchise. So, I don't really know. I guess it was Xbox mishandling the situation saying this is what you're going to make and you're going to like it. I, I don't know. It, it's weird looking back like how could you screw it up that much? How did right. you never support a black and white three uh coming out because it would have done fairly well your microsoft you have pc <laughs> as a major <laughs> platform so why not allow black and white three to happen i don't know it's really strange I, I guess it was a mishandling from xbox but at the same time i don't think Lionhead, unless they were truly handcuffed and they just had to do what xbox told them and they they did it begrudgingly they didn't do what they were asked to do very well so i don't know if Lionhead had a very bright future anyway. I actually saw some people talking about this earlier this week online uh, before this part of the series aired and people were talking about Peter Molyneux and saying, yeah, hey, like a lot of these guys who were big in the 90s gaming really, really leaned into gimmicks and like crazy new technologies because the 90s gaming was so much about like, okay, like you double performance of like the graphics, you double, double, triple, quadruple, like all this stuff. And there's all these new technologies and everything's moving at the speed of light. And then it kind of became, you know, a bit more of a mature industry. It slowed down a little bit. And I think a lot of these guys were chasing that. And I think Molyneux was kind of chasing Connect and some of the other technologies out there too. And it just, it just wasn't necessarily the right move on that part as well. And I think there's kind of internal warring about how to take that company and move that in the right direction. So yeah, I, I think you're kind of right that it's funny that uh, Xbox is kind of taking the full blame for that because I think there's more to it than that side of the story. But also, you know, if they're owning the company, I guess there's something they can they something to be said for like uh, a top down kind of approach in, in terms of managing. Maybe they could have worked with them to to ensure that they do produce things and that, that things go right. But that's that's more of an Xbox Game Studios thing now, and that's why it's going so well now. It's just it's just different. They, they of course they misstepped because it wasn't the same people. <laughs> like as much as Project Milo was an Xbox thing, Lionhead still made that. <laughs> so yeah. like I don't I just don't know if there was much to Lionhead at that point anyway. Yeah. 
Speaking of things uh, that don't have much to them, uh, New World MMO had an interview uh, with PC Games N. This was game director Scott Lane, who discussed the challenges with New World uh, New World's launch. Um, he was quoted saying, we've made mistakes by moving too fast. Uh, I have a couple of quotes here from the interview, which I thought were kind of interesting. Uh, first off, he said, it's been a learning experience. We've been humbled by the response uh, to New World, and this has led to significantly more scale than we had in our alpha or public beta, and that surfaced some issues. We understand the importance of responding quickly, and we've been trying to fix the issues as fast as possible. Early on, we were so focused on fixing the issues that we didn't do a good enough job communicating with the players. This is something we put a lot of effort into correcting, and we'll continue to make a focus. I thought that was pretty interesting to note. Uh, that was one of the things that I thought was the most damning thing about what was happening with New World in the past month or so, uh, month and a half. And basically since launch, uh, and that is that they weren't communicating enough. The community managers, the community team was just not out there. And yeah, of course it did. They're not going to let the bugs sit there. Of course they're fixing them, but it didn't feel like someone was reaching out and maybe memeing about it or reaching out to the community, talking to people, trying to be like warm and fuzzy about it in any way. They were just like, oh, we're fixing it. Shut up. That was kind of the vibe, like a little bit. So hopefully that going forward, that's going to be something they focus on more. Which is also very anti-MMO. MMOs are supposed to have very interactive community managers. Like that's a huge part of building the community around the game. That person should be active on forums, on Reddit, on everything, on Twitter, just constantly talking with the community, engaging with them. And that clearly wasn't happening. And that only compounds the issues. That just makes people more frustrated than they already are especially in a game that has a one-time box price and no right sub yeah, yeah so exactly. a lot of people it just makes everyone feel more and more like oh you got my money so now you don't care whereas right. at least in a game with a sub fee you know they're gonna you, you to think oh, they, have, they have to care right because that's where they make their money so yeah that that just felt wrong and hopefully that's something they're not just talking about and will actually fix because honestly good pr and community management can can kind of make up for not a bad game, but for a few bugs at launch, you know? Totally, yeah. Uh, Lane also said that he hopes that the game will succeed going forward, but does not plan... Well, of course he hopes, but uh, does not plan to add fresh servers or additional characters per server at the time. Because they did ask, you know, are you thinking of adding alts? No alts, just one character per server. And they did mention, you know, do you want to start new servers that don't aren't plagued by these bugs? People can start fresh. And he said, no plans for that. Maybe a season system sometime in the future, but that would be long, a long ways off. I don't really understand why you need multiple characters on a server in New World. I guess maybe because of the factions, that would be the only thing I could think of. But he suggested just playing on a different server because the factions will be so different there. It'll be kind of interesting. That's that true. Thinking, which That's makes true. sense. I, I get that. I do. Th I think on New World, you get two characters on a server. I could be wrong, but I think it's two. Now, here's what I'll say about this whole thing. A lot of MMOs are bad on release and they have major issues. New World ha now... The issues for New World have been big, but I also think the era of the internet in which we live in now also magnifies it a little bit. World of Warcraft was not great on release. Final Fantasy XIV literally shut down. A new game, a remake of that game had to be built from scratch. Where do you think A Realm Reborn comes from? Anyone out there who doesn't know? Yep. They built that whole thing into the lore. Now, ESO, it wasn't good on launch. It took a while until they had like that one Tamriel update or what, whatever it was. And they eventually sort of found themselves. 
this sort of just happens with MMOs. It, it's just part of their life cycle. I do have faith that eventually New World's going to turn things around, but I I think they need some some new blood on the development team. I think they need more MMO experience. That's probably something that they lacked going into this whole thing. People who could foresee these sort of issues with duplication and exploits that are unique to MMOs and that that sort of thing as far as you know interaction between players these are things that MMO devs know because they have experience with even MMO players know these sort of things going into a development cycle whereas someone who's always worked on single player games and doesn't even play MMOs they don't even know about that sort of thing it's totally out of their circle so i think either bring in some well, I would say do both of these things. Bring in some MMO experienced developers and then also have some talks, have actual dialogue and communication with experienced MMO players within your New World Circle and outside of the New World Circle. Talk to people who aren't playing the game who are very experienced with MMOs and get their feedback on on some things that players have been talking about. I just think that they they probably came into this this thing with the you know, survive multiplayer survival angle angle, which we 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 know that's that's pretty much where the game started, and they weren't thinking enough in the terms of MMO, and then the game became something else, and then it's kind of too late. So, I I just think they need to to take a real hard look at this and and what they want the game to be, and bring in the right people, talk to the right people, and and figure it out. But I I do have faith that eventually it'll work. It's never going to be the biggest MMO on the market. But I think it's going to eventually have its place. Yeah, well, very well put. I, I think that the building blocks for a really, really fun MMO are there. The engine is good. The graphics look good. I think like the world is good. It's just about getting that right direction down. And yeah, I think you're totally right. I think they can do it. It's just going to take time. And hopefully they actually put the effort in and really make it worth worthwhile to check out. All right, let's move on to talk a little bit about Ubisoft. Ubisoft files trademark for Splinter Cell following reports of a new installment in the development. The trademark was filed on December 6th, 2021, according to Justia Trademarks. And according to this website, this trademark was filed under classification 41, which is for entertainment services. This also includes online games uh, that that run persistently, things like that. That that was part of it. Uh, I didn't copy the whole thing, but essentially, yeah, like an online service game. Earlier this week, a very reputable leaker and journalist, Tom Henderson, revealed some more details about this new Splinter Cell game. According to his tweet, the new game could feature open world settings. This is a quote from the tweet, a more stealthy version of Assassin's Creed, similar to how Halo Infinite has done its open world. Interesting. I don't think fans are going to be happy to hear this. But here's the thing. Games have really changed a lot since there was a major Splinter Cell release. I don't think you can just blanket dismiss an open world game and say it can't possibly work as a Splinter Cell game. It sounds to me like they want to channel the recent Metal Gear Solid games. And I think that sort of thing could potentially work for Splinter Cell if done correctly. I myself, I do like Ubisoft games, but the last few that I've played, I haven't been super thrilled with. So, you know, it kind of is what it is. I don't know what direction Ubisoft is going. I think they're actually trying to figure out what they're doing themselves right now there's a lot of change at ubisoft i don't think that fans should just completely dismiss this right off the bat we need to wait and see 
you can be a little hesitant about it, but I don't know. Like this should be exciting. You might potentially be getting a new splinter cell. Yeah. It might not be the greatest thing in the world. You might, it might not be the thing that you're most excited about, but I don't know. Is it better than nothing? I, I don't, th- I'm not one of those people who thinks that a future entry into a franchise ruins. If it's not good, ruins the entire history of, of a franchise that to me is ridiculous. Like you have the memories of the old games or the old movies or the old books or whatever. Why, why does a new one ruin anything? I would go into this optimistically, hope it's good, give Ubisoft some direction, uh, you know, be vocal on Twitter, on Reddit, whatever, and hopefully show them support, but also saying this is what we want out of a Splinter Cell game, and we'll see We'll see how it turns out. But it sounds like a Metal Gear Solid or, like, as they said, like Assassin's Creed or maybe, like, a larger, like, Hitman-style Splinter Cell game. I. I don't know, but I I think something like this could work. Games have just changed so much. We have to wait and see, I think. Yeah, this doesn't seem like it. I mean, we don't know. We don't know at all. This doesn't seem at first blush like this is something for traditional Splinter Cell fans necessarily, but more of an entry point for new players. I mean, it seems, again, like they're trying to make one game, but it's different. You know, here's the Far Cry version of the game. Here's the Assassin's Creed version of the game. Now here's the Splinter Cell version of the game. This is open world with all these. But that being said, I mean... This sounds more intriguing to me than traditional Splinter Cell, uh, but that's because traditional Splinter Cell wasn't something I was ever interested in. So, you know, on the flip side, they might lose some people, but they might also gain some people and change the way that the, the you know, the, the franchise works to change who's interested in the franchise, um, but also maybe being true to roots. So it's hard, hard to tell. I really like your comparison, though, to Metal, the, the Metal Gear games, the, the newest ones and things like that, because my goodness, the creativity in those games, the way you can just do anything in such crazy ways is is incredible. And if they could really properly harness that and do something like that, especially because Metal Gear is kind of up in the air at this point, I think it would be so incredible and they really fill a niche of that type of game because if we're really just scratching the surface in terms of these open world games where you can really just get experimental and weird with it and be more sandboxy and I think, but still have a story, you know, and, and I think this could be that. So overhyping it it probably won't it's ubisoft but like hey it would be so cool if it is so like i'm gonna i'm gonna think that an open world can mean a lot of different things and i do think that we're very soon going into a new era where open world is going to be a large part of almost every game just because that's sort of naturally where the technology is going it doesn't necessarily mean every game is climb a tower to get these points uh, of interest and, and unlock parts of the map like it doesn't necessarily mean every game has to play the same way but open world you know games are are these sort of games these 3d action games are naturally going to get closer and closer to experiences in real life right trying to emulate that and real life is an open world so like yeah <laughs> they can do open world different ways but that sort of thing is where th- is where games are headed. Beautifully put. You're on you're on the point today, man. You're on I the ball. I appreciate that. <laughs> Let's move on to some quick stories. A lot of these are pretty exciting and interesting. First off, we've all been waiting for it. New DualSense wireless controller colors arrive next month and new PS5 console colors. Oh, Matt, yeah. are you excited? The covers are $55 uh, on PS Direct and the controller is $75. This is, of course, USD. How hyped are you? I actually think the the price of the covers is pretty fair. 
Funny enough, it's cheaper than D brand with their dark, their, yeah. their, their plates, which were like the unofficial version that they got in trouble for. Yeah. And they're actually cheaper than that, which is pretty funny. I will probably look into purchasing the black cover. I just bought the black controller. So the, the red and black ones came out a couple months ago and I just bought the black one like last week so that my wife and I could could finally play it takes two so we'd have two controllers i love it it's so good but it looks weird next to the white playstation so i do <laughs> want the uh the black covers to to give them you know that classic playstation look too i i like that better than just the the plain white playstation i will yeah. say though paul as far i i just bought a controller but the purple controller looks I know. phenomenal. I love it. It's so good. I may have to look into that one. The white controller, by the way, and I'm my controllers do not get like I'm very I'm like same OCD clean about when I'm playing video same. games. But the white controller there in some of the creases, you can see a little dirt. It's like just stuff from my hands rubbing off over time. And I just it's a little bit gross. So I'm glad mm. to be playing the uh, with the black controller now. Interesting. You know, my I'm looking at my Xbox, uh, my Xbox one white controller that I, I quite love. I play with all the time. You know, the creases have a little bit of dirt, but otherwise very clean. So there you go. Maybe it's just that one controller, the way the plastic is or something. It really is. The, it really is the crease where I'm noticing it. Yeah. And yeah. It, it's just it's just kind of gross. I'm like, is that like just like a buildup of dead skin cells like what is happening <laughs> it's like if it's there i just don't want to see it don't yeah, let me know it's yeah. there you know uh <laughs> yeah the colors are awesome though just i'm sure everyone can go look it up but there's red kind of like this cyan um and a purple and a pink and the black it looks the pink so is too. they're all good is, they're all so good like the red's like this kind of like darkish but like still bright red it's just like the perfect it's like a cherry red yeah the purple's like a deep purple it, it's so cool and the blue is not just like your run-of-the-mill kind of electric blue it's so cool they went light blue and yeah. i think it's really and i think personally for me that paired with the purple is really cool i always like uh, like a light blue and a purple is a really cool combo I, I don't know which one i would have on which i think probably the console will be purple the controller be Ooh. like the like the bright blue yeah. but hard to tell i'm not going to buy a ps5 anytime soon but again like i've said before i will at least have one at some point in 2023 for spider-man so at some point then I'll have some cool color options. So I'm excited. <laughs> All right, moving on. Heroes of New Earth servers to be brought offline June 20th, 2022. RIP F's in the chat for Heroes of New Earth. Pretty good innings, though, considering it's an indie game uh, that had a fair amount of missteps. The original development team left a few years ago. They had to switch over 12 years. I think that, you know, it's not League of Legends. It's not Dota 2. That's fair, I think. Yeah, I remember people playing this near the end of high school, <laughs> like right when it came out. I never got into it, but it's always sad to see a game shut down. It It is, but they lasted a long time and people liked it. People enjoyed this game. So good for them. Cheers to the future. Yeah, I saw a lot of interesting like revisionist history of people talking about they, how close they were to being able to like get the Dota trademark oh, wow. uh, before before Valve did, but then they kind of bungled it or something. And that could have been like, it's like how close they were to maybe being the the MOBA, like being Dota 2 and how they, they, how they weren't really. Moving on. Assassin's Creed Odyssey and Valhalla are getting new crossover story quests. 
I think it's kind of cool because with the it's like the animus and that kind of stuff, you can kind of cross over. I think yeah, that's totally. a good. I that's a smart idea, and it, it's kind of a waste that they haven't done anything really to this level before. I feel like. I think that's correct. I don't think that they have recently. They've done a lot of DLC in the newer games, but I don't remember a crossover type thing. But yeah, this is cool. It's cool that a game like Odyssey, which is such a great Assassin's Creed entry and my favorite of the new sort of refresh Assassin's Creed games is, is getting support. I mean, this game came out in 2018. It's getting a new quest uh, with this crossover. Valhalla is also getting a new quest. And it's just cool to see that they're, they're supporting that. Valhalla's out. It's been out for, it's been over a year now, I think. So to go back to the previous game and, and still give that a quest while your your new game is out, Normally, with a company like Ubisoft, you think they're only looking forward, right? Well, they're still supporting Odyssey, so I think that's good news. That is good news, especially because we have a little bit of bad news from Ubisoft. Uh, Virginie Haas is leaving Ubisoft, and this is something that people were just informed of today. She'd assumed the role of Chief Studios Officer, reporting to CEO Yves Guimot on September 1st, 2020. Uh, now, that's, you know, I'm not going to get in the deep end of it because this is not something I know 100% about. But, I, you know, she was brought in last year, it seems, as kind of like a refresh of Ubisoft to kind of move forward with the company after they had, you know, some issues in the past. Uh, and to see her gone after just over a year is, uh, you know, a bit of a disappointment. I mean, we don't know all of the exact reasonings and whatever. I'm not saying it's Ubisoft's fault or anyone in particular, um, but it is kind of sad to see them, you know, trying to take a new direction and seeing that the kind of the person spearheading that is didn't really last much more than a year. <laughs> I don't know what Ubisoft's financials were like over the last year or so, but I do know that public opinion on them has not been great over the last year. People have not been happy with what Ubisoft has been bringing to the table. But I mean, unfortunately, that stuff is stuff that was in development and already going to happen before this. Exactly. But, yeah. So, but still, as the head, I, yeah. you are unfortunately the one who takes the brunt of that. I'll be honest, before this was in the notes, I didn't. I had never even heard the name Virginie Haas before, so I yeah. don't I don't know how involved uh, she was or what she was doing or where she came from within Ubisoft or some other company. I actually don't know. Yeah. Good, good luck to her. I, I yeah. hope she finds a good landing spot and I hope Ubisoft is also better off now. I just hope everyone wins <laughs> so yeah absolutely we'll yeah when i see this it just makes me think of that stuff like uh we saw with blizzard right with like that kind of glass cliff kind of thing where it's like let's you know i, I worry that you know they knew that they were gonna have a bad year so they hired this new woman to come in kind of take the fall and then out you go kind of thing and it was kind of like they get a good they get a good pr from it in the year that they had her there uh, i hope that's not the case though but that does kind of leave a taste in my mouth we'll have to see what happens in the next year and yeah like you said hopefully everything everything goes swimmingly uh, now talk about something a little more positive. Henry Cavill wants to be involved in the Mass Effect TV series. Well, doesn't he just want to be involved in everything, Henry? I guess he could be. Uh, to, to, so uh, where does this come from, Matt? This is a story that you brought forward. Is this? Uh, did he mention that he wants to be like in it or more like in the production side or anything like that? Uh, he wants to be in it. Of course he does. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I want to be Shepard. I want to be Geralt. I want to be what can I what else can I be? <laughs> <laughs> I guess this is from an interview. I didn't look into it too much. I, yeah, I really just threw the headline in there. That's for, a fun for this story. One. Yeah. 
uh, because I didn't think we really needed to look into it too deep. <laughs> no, we don't. But, it, you know, it's fun that uh, Henry Cavill is sort of taking charge for video game adaptations. He's he's a great guy to do that sort of thing. He's a good actor. He's got he's a great person, seemingly. And so, like, if he wants to be the one to carry that flag, go for it, because Lord knows someone needs to carry that right now. I agree. It's really fun to see, like, kind of this, like, conventional a conventionally attractive, conventionally charismatic, like himbo guy kind of come in and like really stand up for nerd culture and, and yeah. pretty deep stuff too, like playing Rathalich King when you get your Superman call, all that kind of stuff. So <laughs> yeah. it, it's a lot of fun and he's really not embarrassed about it. I mean, as he shouldn't be, but I mean, you know, it's, it happens. There's a lot of still cultural milia about that. And so it's, it's cool to see that. And just a little reminder, we did mention it earlier in the show. Uh, I'm not being paid for this, but I wish I were. But um, Power On, the story of Xbox, uh, is now out. The the whole docuseries they teased on the 20th anniversary about like kind of the making of the first Xbox and, and you know, Xbox through the years. Uh, there's six episodes of that out now. I think it sounds like a total blast. I mean, I'm not like a big video game historian guy, but, uh, you know, I, I have a vested interest in Xbox and I really like the stuff they produce and seeing I think interviews with, you know, Phil Spencer, among other people who were much more involved back then and people who created it. It's such a it was such a disruptive console. I think to know what to hear Microsoft is getting into the console space in like 2001 is such a hilarious thing. And so, yeah, I, I'm really, really excited to check this out. Yeah, I, I eat this shit up. I love video <laughs> game documentaries. I love video game history and I watch a ton of YouTube videos about it. I've watched every documentary I could about it. And then when you run out of documentaries, what do you do? You go to YouTube. So that's what I've been doing. I didn't even know this was coming. And so I love a good surprise like this. Is this is this on YouTube? Where do I find this? Great question. I was worried you were going to ask me that. I actually don't know where it is, but I can only imagine it's on a lot of places. Uh, it looks like it's on Microsoft's website. I fucking knew that was going to happen. So, yeah, you can where to watch. OK, we'll just do this loud and proud here on the Internet. It is on, uh, yeah, their website. It's on YouTube. Okay. Okay. You it's on YouTube. That, that's great. So I can watch it go. on my TV. There we go. There you go. Watch it on TV. Or if you have the Roku channel, Matt, you can watch it there. Yeah, I don't. I don't. <laughs> no. All right. Perfect. Well, that is going to do it for today's GG Replay. But we hope you all at home had a really fun time. If you like what we do, we have a whole website, goodnightgroups.com, where we have this podcast, our other podcast, Game Groups. We have our blog, links to all of our socials. And our YouTube channel with exclusive shows like Southern Fried Groups, which we just had a finale of the first uh, game they played for the King just aired yesterday. And we're going to start a new series very soon. I don't know if we're tomorrow. I don't think we've announced what that is yet. Right. That's tomorrow. So uh, I think I've said on the Twitter it's Dark Souls. It's it's Dark Souls. It's Josh playing Dark Souls, uh, who has never played this specific, like the original Dark Souls, really. And and Fabian, who, of course, has played it like at least 10 times all the way through and uh, kind of guiding him. And I, I'll say I watched the first uh, at least hour of footage they've put together for this. And it is it is the best stuff they've done so far. And I mean, they've already done some really great stuff. So get really excited. It is it's a lot of fun. If you watch Asmongold ever and you know who McConnell is, we refer to Fabian as scuffed McConnell because not only does he act like him, uh, he's Josh's McConnell. But he sounds like him. It's ridiculous. It's so it's hilarious. <laughs> I love that. I, I still have never actually like sat and listened to who Mc, like McConnell talk. So I, I'd love to hear that to see the direct comparison. Well, maybe we should do a side by side for you. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see. get DMCA by McConnell himself. <laughs> uh, all right. If you're enjoying this podcast as well, please consider dropping us a five star review on Apple Podcasts. 
anything and everything you do and support us with is greatly appreciated and helps us grow. Good night, Grooves. Matt, do you have anything else to say before we head out of here for the day? Look, I'm not going to tell Amazon Games who they should hire, but I'm just saying, if you want someone with MMO experience to consult for a few Gs now and again, you, you can find my email. I mean, they have the technological expertise. They just need someone to guide the direction, you know? And I really feel like, I really feel like based on your resume here, you are, you're ready to move into a role as a game director. <laughs> I think so too. I think I'm ready. I think ready. so too. I think I'm ready. We got, where do yeah. I sign? Uh, you know what? Uh, I'll, I'll send a text to Bezos. We'll see what we can do. Sweet. All right. That is going to be it for today's GG replay. We will see you all again on Wednesday with another fascinating installment. Uh, might be me, might be Matt, might be a dragon. Who knows who will be here? Uh, all of that and more on Wednesday. But until then, Bruce. <laughs>